0: Section six of three science fiction novellas by Lee Brackett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part six of Enchantress of Venus. Red, 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 the color of blood. Blood in his eyes. He was remembering now. The quarry had turned on him, and they had fought on the bare, blistering rocks. Nor had Nachaka killed. The Lord of the Rocks was very big, a giant among lizards, and Nachaka was small. The Lord of the Rocks had laid open Nachaka's head before the wooden spear had more than scratched his flank. It was strange that Nachaka still lived. The Lord of the Rocks must have been fully fed, only that saved him. Nachaka groaned, not with pain, but with shame. He had failed. Hoping for great triumph, He had disobeyed the tribal law that forbids a boy to hunt the quarry of a man, and he had failed. Old One would not reward him with the girdle and the flint spear of manhood. Old One would give him to the women for punishment of little whips. Tika would laugh at him, and it would be many seasons before Old One would grant him permission to try the man's hunt. Blood in his eyes. He blinked to clear them. The instinct of survival was prodding him, he must arouse himself and creep away before the lord of rocks returned to eat him the redness would not go away it swam and flowed strangely sparkling he blinked again and tried to lift his head and could not and fear struck down upon him like the iron frost of night upon the rocks of the valley it was all wrong he could see himself clearly a naked boy dizzy with pain rising and clambering over the ledges and the shale to the safety of the cave. He could see that, and yet he could not move. All wrong. Time, space, the universe, darkened and turned. A voice spoke to him, a girl's voice. Not Tika's, and the speech was strange. Tika was dead. Memories rushed through his mind. The bitter things, the cruel things... Old One was dead, and all the others. The voice spoke again, calling him by that name that was not his own, Stark. Memory shattered into a kaleidoscope of broken pictures, fragments, rushing, spinning. He was adrift among them. He was lost, and the terror of it brought a scream to his throat. Soft hands touching his face, gentle words, swift and soothing. THE REDNESS CLEARED AND STEADIED, THOUGH IT DID NOT GO AWAY, AND QUITE SUDDENLY HE WAS HIMSELF AGAIN, WITH ALL HIS MEMORIES WHERE THEY BELONGED. HE WAS LYING ON HIS BACK, AND ZARETH, MALTHOR'S DAUGHTER, WAS LOOKING DOWN AT HIM. HE KNEW NOW WHAT THE REDNESS WAS. HE HAD SEEN IT TOO OFTEN BEFORE NOT TO KNOW. HE WAS SOMEWHERE AT THE BOTTOM OF THE RED SEA, THAT WEIRD OCEAN IN WHICH A MAN CAN BREATHE. AND HE COULD NOT MOVE that had not changed nor gone away. His body was dead. The terror he had felt before was nothing to the agony that filled him now. He lay entombed in his own flesh, staring up at Zareth, wanting an answer to a question he dared not ask. She understood from the look in his eyes. "'It's all right,' she said, and smiled. "'It will wear off. You'll be all right. It's only the weapon of the Lahari.' somehow it puts the body to sleep but it will wake again stark remembered the black object that egil had held in his hands a projector of some sort then beaming a current of high frequency vibration that paralyzed the nerve centers he was amazed the cloud people were barbarians themselves though on a higher scale than the swamp edge tribes and certainly had no such scientific proficiency He wondered where the Lahari had got hold of such a weapon. It didn't really matter, not just now. Relief swept over him, bringing him dangerously close to tears. The effect would wear off. At the moment that was all he cared about. He looked up at Zareth again. Her pale hair floated with the slow breathing of the sea, a milky cloud against the spark-shot crimson. He saw now that her face was drawn and shadowed, and there a terrible hopelessness in her eyes. She had been alive when he first saw her, frightened, not too bright, but full of emotion and a certain dogged courage. Now the spark was gone, crushed out. She wore a collar around her white neck, a ring of metal with the ends fused together for all time. "'Where are we?' he asked. And she answered her voice carrying deep and hollow in the dense substance of the sea. "'We're in the place of the Lost Ones.' Stark looked beyond her, as far as he could see, since he was unable to turn his head. And wonder came to him. Black walls, black vault above him. A vast hall filled with a wash of the sea that slipped in streaks of whispering flame through the high embrasures a hall that was twin to the vault of shadows where he had met the lahari there is a city said zarath dolly you will see it soon you will see nothing else until you die stark said very gently how do you come here little one because of my father i will tell you all i know which is little enough malthor has been slaver to the lahari for a long time there are a number of them among the captains of Sharoon." "'but that is a thing that is never spoken of. "'So I, his daughter, could only guess. "'I was sure of it when he sent me after you.' "'She laughed, a bitter sound. "'Now I'm here, with the collar of the Lost Ones on my neck. "'But Malthor is here, too.' "'She laughed again, ugly laughter to come from a young mouth. "'Then she looked at Stark.' and her hand reached out timidly to touch his hair in what was almost a caress. Her eyes were wide and soft and full of tears. "'Why didn't you go into the swamps when I warned you?' Stark answered stolidly, "'Too late to worry about that now.' "'Then, you say Malthor is here a slave?' "'Yes.' Again, that look of wonder and admiration in her eyes. "'I don't know what you said or did to the Lahari.' but the lord Egel came down in a black rage and cursed my father for a blundering fool because he could not hold you my father whined and made excuses and all would have been well only his curiosity got the better of him and he asked the lord Egel what had happened you were like a wild beast malthor said and he hoped you had not harmed the lady Vara, as he could see from egil's wounds that there had been trouble the lord Egel turned quite purple I thought he was going to fall in a fit.' "'Yes,' said Stark. "'It was the wrong thing to say.' The ludicrous side of it struck him, and he was suddenly roaring with laughter. "'Malthor should have kept his mouth shut.' aegil called his guard and ordered them to take Malthor. "'And when he realized what had happened, Malthor turned on me, trying to say that it was all my fault, that I let you escape.' Stark stopped laughing. HER VOICE WENT ON SLOWLY. Egil SEEMS QUITE MAD WITH FURY. I HAVE HEARD THAT THE LAHARI ARE ALL MAD, AND I THINK IT IS SO. AT ANY RATE, HE ORDERED ME TAKEN TOO, FOR HE WANTED TO STAMP Malthor's SEED INTO THE MUD FOREVER. SO HERE WE ARE. THERE WAS A LONG SILENCE. Stark COULD THINK OF NO WORD OF COMFORT. AND, AS FOR HOPE, HE HAD BETTER WAIT UNTIL HE WAS SURE HE COULD AT LEAST RAISE HIS HEAD. Egel might have damaged him permanently, out of spite. In fact, he was surprised he wasn't dead. He glanced again at the collar on Zarath's neck. Slave. Slave to the Lahari, in the City of the Lost Ones. What the devil did they do with slaves at the bottom of the sea? The heavy gases conducted sound remarkably well, except for an odd property of diffusion which made it seem that a voice came from everywhere at once now all at once stark became aware of a dull clamor of voices drifting towards him he tried to see and xerath turned his head carefully so that he might the lost ones were returning from whatever work it was they did out of the dim red murk beyond the open door they swam into the long, long vastness of the hall that was filled with the same red murk, moving slowly, their white bodies trailing wakes of sullen flame. The host of the damned drifting through a strange red-litten hell, weary and without hope. One by one, they sank onto pallets laid in rows on the black stone floor and lay there, utterly exhausted, their pale hair lifting and floating with the slow eddies of the sea and each one wore a collar. One man did not lie down. He came toward Stark, a tall barbarian who drew himself with great strokes of his arm so that he was wrapped in wheeling sparks. Stark knew his face. Helvey, he said, and smiled in welcome. Brother! Helvey crouched down, a great handsome boy he had been the time Stark saw him. But he was a man now, WITH ALL THE LAUGHTER TURNED TO GRIM DEEP LINES AROUND HIS MOUTH AND THE BONES OF HIS FACE STANDING OUT LIKE GRANITE RIDGES. BROTHER, HE SAID AGAIN, LOOKING AT STARK THROUGH A GLITTER OF UNSHAMED TEARS. FOOL! AND HE CURSED STARK SAVAGELY BECAUSE HE HAD COME TO Sharoon TO LOOK FOR AN IDIOT WHO HAD GONE THE SAME WAY, AND WAS ALREADY AS GOOD AS DEAD. WOULD YOU HAVE FOLLOWED ME? ASKED STARK but i am only an ignorant child of the swamps said Helvie. you come from space you know other worlds you can read and write you should have better sense stark grinned and i'm still an ignorant child of the rocks so we're two fools together where is tobol tobol was Helvie's brother who had broken taboo and looked for refuge in Sharoon. apparently he had found peace at last for Helvey shook his head. A man cannot live too long under the sea. It is not enough merely to breathe and eat. Tobel overran his time, and I am close to the end of mine." He held up his hand and then swept it down sharply, watching the broken fires dance along his arms. "'The mind breaks before the body,' said Helvey casually, as though it were a matter of no importance. Zareth spoke. Helvi has guarded you each period while the others slept.' "'And not I alone,' said Helvi. "'The little one stood with me.' "'Guarded me,' said Stark. "'Why?' Helvi gestured toward a pallet not far away. Malthor lay there, his eyes half open and full of malice. The fresh scar livid on his cheek. "'He feels,' said Helvi, "'that you should not have fought upon his ship.' stark felt an inward chill of horror to lie here helpless watching malthor come toward him with open fingers reaching for his helpless throat he made a passionate effort to move and gave up gasping helvey grinned now is the time i should wrestle you stark for i never could throw you before he gave stark's head a shake very gentle for all its apparent roughness you'll be throwing me again sleep now and don't worry he settled himself to watch and presently in spite of himself stark slept with Zareth curled at his feet like a little dog there was no time down there in the heart of the red sea no daylight no dawn no space of darkness no winds blew no rain nor storm broke the endless silence only the lazy currents whispered by on their way to nowhere and the red sparks danced and the great hall waited remembering the past stark waited too how long he never knew but he was used to waiting he had learned his patience on the knees of the great mountains whose heads lift proudly into open space to look at the sun and he had absorbed their own contempt for time little by little life returned to his body A mongrel guard came now and again to examine him, pricking Stark's flesh with his knife to test the reaction, so that Stark should not malinger. He reckoned without Stark's control. The earthman bore his prodding without so much as a twitch, until his limbs were completely his own again. Then he sprang up and pitched the man half the length of the hall, turning over and over, yelling with startled anger. At the next period of labor, Stark was driven with the rest out into the city of the Lost Ones. End of Part 6